the parallels between military service and golf are undeniable. The camaraderie you find on the course and in the ranks is addictive. On the fairway or in the field, there's an unspoken bond among those who have served and those who golf. It's the kind of connection that transcends tee times and battle lines, bringing together folks from all walks of life with one common goal, to conquer the course, and maybe share a few war stories along the way. This is the High Speed Golf Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1, the very first episode of the High Speed Golf Podcast. My name is Drew Scholl, I'll be your host, and I am really, really excited about this. I've got some big plans for you. I want to highlight veteran golfers, veteran-owned golf businesses, and just provide resources for the golf community as a whole for game improvement, mental side of the game, staying healthy, and everything else in between. So please, please, please make sure to subscribe. I really, really appreciate you being here. Today, I had the tremendous pleasure of interviewing a current Division I college golfer, current commercial pilot, Air Force veteran, and future fighter pilot, Colin Armistead. How is that for a resume? Holy cow. Colin is an exceptional human. I had a great time getting to know him, so without any further delay, here's that interview. Colin, really appreciate you being here. I think you mentioned that you're one of two that we know of Division I golfers that are also veterans. Uh, so, you know, really exciting to, to, to be here in your company. Um, let's just dive into golf. How did you, how'd you get started into golf? What, what's your journey been like there? So I originally played college baseball, actually. I played college baseball at the University of Dubuque, um, played okay. there for a little while. Um, and then right around when COVID hit, uh, I was going back home anyways to, uh, go to a different school. Um, and both my parents are big golfers. My dad played on tour. Um, he was a teaching professional for a long time. My parents actually got married at St. Andrews. Um, oh, so, no way. Yeah, they met working at TaylorMade together. Uh, so golf's always been around. I just never really played as a kid. Um, yeah. So I got started playing into golf right before COVID hit, actually. But then obviously, as a lot of us, uh, when quarantine uh, came around, it was a great opportunity to come outside. All my buddies were baseball players, so it was an easy transition for all of us to go into golf. Um, yeah. I kept that that kind of competitive mindset that I'd always had from other sports uh, and, you know, really just did it every single day, did everything I could to practice, you know, having a coach at home was really helpful. Uh, so I got <laughs> pretty good, pretty fast. Um, and then uh, eventually uh, joined air force, uh, went to basic training and then during technical school training, so that's like our MOS school. Um, mm -hmm. I was on the night shift. And so my classes didn't start till 2 PM. So I would wake up in the morning, I would get my kind of uh, carry bag of clubs. So I'd put like five or six clubs in there. I would have a backpack full of about 100 golf balls that I'd buy from academies. I would walk about two and a half miles from the dorm rooms to this abandoned uh, driving range where there used to be a golf course. They had this like 200-yard driving range with, you know, knee-high uh, native. And I would hit balls on this little area that I'd cut out for myself. And then I would go pick them up by hand walk the two and a half miles to the gym from there, go work out, go to the chow hall, and then I'd go back to the dorms and go to class. Um, but during that time, you know, I was doing that every single day. Uh, so I was just hitting balls after balls after balls. And when you have to pick up your own balls, your dispersion patterns get a lot tighter, a lot <laughs> Because all of a sudden, yeah. you hit one wayward, you got to go pick that thing up. Um, 
And so I think that really helped making me better. I mean, it was like the one thing I had to look forward to. I'd play, you know, 72 holes on the weekends on the two days we were allowed off base. But, you know, I'd be walking three miles off base to catch an Uber to the golf course. Um, I got really lucky. There was a like a $50 a month membership at the local golf course in Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, oh, yeah. And just, you know, just got my, like, in the club championship there, got my first taste of competitive golf and just really was like my one thing I had to look forward to. And I just absolutely blinded at it. Uh, same deal. I was deployed to the middle East. And when I was in the middle East, it was like the one thing I could do per day was hit these little, I had these little foam golf balls that I would hit mm-hmm. tent with a top golf nine iron, which is basically like a, you know, it was like a women's nine iron. So, you know, you had to be really tempoed to hit it. Well, I'm yeah. wiffle balls and that kind of stuff. And every now and then it hit like rocks off the turf, um, you know, in full OCPs and, uh, so, but you know, that's basically through all of that, uh, after the, I came home from the middle East, I played in a couple of veterans golfer tour events, um, and, uh, played pretty well in them. Um, uh, so I started playing in some more events and from there, I, uh, my coach found me, um, he's, his brother was in the military. Uh, he's always been real supportive of the military. He said, Hey, I'd love to have a guy even just come on the team, maybe not play as much, just, Hey, I could use some kind of leadership. We've got a lot of young guys here. Um, sure. okay more to be like a leadership presence more than anything and for me i was thinking oh i get free golf what the hell do i care um so i joined the team moved out to chicago uh currently play chicago state Uh, i believe i'm the only active military member uh that is currently playing a division one sport uh okay rumors there are other people around there but from what i've heard it's just me uh there's a lot of veterans that actually play out there um like there's some great ones with some other good uh, social media present, like uh, Jonathan. I believe it's Schuster is his last name. And Iraqi sure, player. he's 45, former Army guy. Um, yeah, player. So, but yeah, there, it's it's been a great opportunity for me. Um, it's a ton of fun. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm 23. I'm not that much older than everybody. But uh, you know, I still get crap from all the guys that you know. I'm I'm grandpa. So yeah, yeah, you're the old man on the team. Exactly. <laughs> okay uh that's interesting so I, I full disclosure i fully expected you to be like you know i grew up golfing played competitive golf my whole life joined the military and then when i got out i uh, just got back into it so that's actually really cool to hear that uh you know you just you kind of pivoted and you obviously grew up around the game but that's that's a cool story i, I think uh that that gives hope to a lot of people that are you know, getting into golf as an adult and want to really, you know, hone their skills in the game and get better. I, I don't know if I could go from, uh, from where I am now to playing D1, but. I think in 2020, I played this like 6,400 yard golf course, which in Colorado is probably the equivalent of like 5,800 yard course. I sure. got like 98. And I think at the end of 2020, I shot like 73. Uh, wow. And that was at like a 72, 7,300 yard course. So like, it, you know, I, I, and it wasn't just because I went out and played, you know, I spent a lot of time on the range doing things of, you know, how my dad practiced when he was, he played at Arizona State. So, you know, what Arizona State, yeah. drove, they were doing when he was there, you know, things of that nature, you know, really, you know, getting lessons from not just him, but also other teaching professionals and really put some, some time and work in to actually, you know, not just make it a hobby. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what it takes, you know, really deliberate practice. I don't, I don't know. Have you ever listened to the, the Chasing Scratch podcast? I've heard of it. 
Yeah. So a couple of guys, I, I really enjoy it. Would, would definitely recommend it. But it's a couple of guys who were, you know, when they started, they were in their late 30s and wanted to hit scratch. And they were, I think they started around 11 handicaps. Uh, and, you know, they're set six seasons in now, about to start season seven. And they're close. Uh, but I think it was really kind of a gut punch uh, how deliberate practice has to be yep. uh, to really do that. And I think it goes beyond that as well. This is one thing I did in baseball a lot too, is I found all the little 1% things that can make me just a little bit better. Mm. For example, uh, the big thing that makes me always feel better uh, is I'm pretty religious with the strength training things. And so I've had my guys out at Motor Performance in Colorado. Um, they're actually who I went with when I played baseball, but they've since pivoted. Uh, Grant is our guy over there. Uh, he's a big golf guy. He's TPI certified. And we, there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, professional guys there. Um, I'm, I'm like the worst golfer they have out there. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of pro guys. Um, and then me. But that kind of stuff is, you know, I've been able to get more thoracic rotation. So now I can swing a little bit longer. Right. I've, I've increased my ball speed so I can hit the ball further. I've increased my balance so I can be a little bit more stable in things. Like all those little things add up to 1% that eventually add up to strokes over time. Right. Yeah. How much? sleeping before tournaments, how I'm eating, all those kind of things are, you know, just little things that add up to strokes in the end, which are, you know, how you get to be playing some pretty decent golf. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I, that's, uh, that's great insight. So I, I may ask you later in the interview, like, okay, what are, what are the drills that, that you're doing? But, uh, um, I, I want to, you know, stick with military a little bit too. Uh, so one, um, what motivated you to join the Air Force? How did you end up there? So I'm a commercial pilot and have been for, oh, geez, almost four years now. Um, but when I was okay. uh, one of my best friends in the world, Austin, uh, he was in the uh, Colorado Air National Guard. And he was training to be a uh, – he was – his big big ambition in life was to be a fighter pilot. Um, hmm. and so I kind of watched him for a long time going through that progression and uh, it was always something I wanted to do. My grandfather was a fighter pilot for over 40 years between four different branches and um, did, you know, grew up in that aspect and I always wanted to be a pilot. I just never thought being a military pilot was something that was all that attainable since I didn't go to an academy. Um, quickly mm -hmm. learned that that wasn't the case. Uh, and so I grew up in the aerobatics world within aviation. So that's uh, more your pulling G's, uh, your more yeah. stunt plane flying. Um and a lot of people in that world are fighter pilots. Uh, and so they told me the best route to go become a fighter pilot was to finish your degree while also enlisting in the Air National Guard. And so I enlisted in the Air National Guard, uh, thinking that it was going to be one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer and ended up not exactly being that. I think now I've spent almost two full years of active duty when, when you count all the days and things. But yeah, did, yeah. did all my training, then did a bunch of seasoning days. Uh, then deployed, and I just between all the time in between, um, ended up being a little bit more than that. Uh, but it's all been very formative time. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that, and that's my end goal is the same as his. Uh, he's actually uh, he got hired on to fly A10s. He's finishing up uh, fighter pilot training currently, um, but that's where I'm hoping to be in about the next year or so. Nice. Yeah. So my dad went to the Naval Academy, wanted to be a pilot. Back then, though, there was no LASIK, and he didn't have the eyes for it. Uh, so he ended up uh, working on subs. But uh, uh, I grew up around aviation, too. He's got his, his private pilot's license. And uh, I'm actually uh, I'm enrolled right now in, in Sporties Aviation. I'm, I'm doing ground school. I'm, I'm working on uh, 
working on the private pilot's license. And the dream there is my dad flies a Cessna 195. Uh, and, to, you know, yeah, it's, it's I'll have to show you pictures of it. it. It's pretty amazing, like fully restored. He went and found the manufacturer of the fabric that they used in the original 195 and, uh, and sourced that and, and restored it like perfect. But, uh, yeah, but anyways, that, you know, the goal would be to get something like that, that I can put my clubs in and just like travel on weekends. So that's actually when I was doing all my aviation training, what I would tell my buddies is, Hey man, I've got to go get this cross country time. Put yeah. Clubs in the back. You pay for the tea time. I'll fly us out to Nebraska and we'll go play or Kansas or something. We'll go play some of the greatest golf courses in the world. So like, yeah, I've heard of wild horse golf course um, out in Gothamsburg, Nebraska. They have like a student deal. I played for 35 bucks there. It's the greatest golf course I've ever played. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I did all that kind of stuff too. It's, it's, it's just as cool as you think it is. Yeah. That, that's yeah. unbelievable. I'm of flying into an airport and going to play golf with your clubs in the back. That part is just as cool as you think it is. Yeah. That, that's unbelievable. I'm getting chills thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm motivated. So that, that's cool. Um, okay. So what about, uh, you know, has your military service, the time you've spent working towards that goal, has that impacted your golf game at all? Or do you see any parallels there? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things the military teaches you is that if you sleep eight hours, you got 16 hours left in the day. All right. Yeah. If you work for another eight hours, you got another eight hours left. What are you really doing with those eight hours? Right. That's you can go play 36 holes at that eight hours. <laughs> do it properly. Right. So it's, it was a lot of, like, yeah, I was working uh, when I was in tech school. I started school at 2 p.m., right? And then I got out at, you know, somewhere around midnight. Okay, well, I still had all morning to go do stuff, right? So I was grinding on the range for a couple hours. I was in the gym for a while, right? Even when I, you know, last week I was in Colorado for military service. Okay, mm -hmm. well, I'd go do my military service, go work out, go hit the range, right? Like, you're able to do so much more in a day than you give yourself credit for. Um, and I think this applies to everything, not just golf. But again, you sleep for eight hours, you go to work for eight hours and give yourself maybe 30 minutes uh, getting to work and 30 minutes getting back. All right. You got seven hours left in the day. You got a lot of time. Um, I just I think people don't look at it in that realm. Um, yeah. Because, well, yeah, you know, I had to wake up. I had to do this. I had to do that. Like when you really like look at the minutes of your day, you got a lot of time to do stuff. And I think. Uh, when you really face that realization, you can become more of a, uh, not motivated, but I'd almost say more committed and more uh, dedicated into what you can do. Um, just if you put that discipline in, you can really achieve a lot, especially within the golf game. 15 minutes of putting in the basement is very obtainable in the seven hours you have off a day to focus on yourself. Yeah, I, I, li I like that. And, and, uh, it's interesting too, like hearing your story about, uh, you know, walking to that, you know, old abandoned range and clearing out a space for yourself and, and just hitting golf balls, you know, that, that, uh, it kind of reminded me. So I, I've got a hitting net in my garage, but I got to get my cars out of the garage first and lay down my mat. And it's like, it's really not that much work. And if I want to get better at golf, I, I got to do it. And, and so I've been working at that for a few months now, uh, really since the season ended. I've really been hitting a lot in the garage and it's unbelievable how, how quickly just dedicating time every day has, has really made an impact there. And, and that, uh, that discipline, like you said, is, is a huge part of it. And 
really great parallels there between military and, and like you said, anything you want to do, but, but golf especially. Absolutely. Okay, so you've talked a little bit about things you've done in your military career so far. What are, what are the highlights? What are, what are your favorite memories? So I joined with one of my best friends in the world, Dan Wilma. Um, the whole, uh, we went through all of our pilot training together. We did the aerobatics together. Um, and then we joined the same exact unit in the same exact shop. Because uh, in Air Guard, you can, you can do that. Um, so we went through training together. We deployed together. Uh, so we did all of our aviation training together. Then we did all of our military training together. And then we deployed together. So there was just a lot of good stuff between um, him and I. And then we had a mutual buddy from uh, training in our unit as well, Jaden Guzman. Uh, so just you know, a lot of things with that. Like everybody says in the, in the military, but it's really the camaraderie you get with your yeah uh, with the guys in your unit are just it, it, that that's unmatched. Uh, I mean, being deployed stunk. We were working you know six fourteens, uh, and that's not typically what you think of with the Air Force, and definitely not what I thought it was going to be when I was the guard. Um, sure, but. You know, it was, again, I, I, there's a lot of good people in my unit, um, and just, just little things like that have been extremely formative. Um, unfortunately, my buddy Dan passed away about a year and a half ago, um, and so as, as sad as that was when he passed, um, kind of the seeing all the military community come around when that happened, uh, I got to give uh, the eulogy at his funeral, um, but kind of seeing the... How that was when he did pass was like it very much showed how impactful the military community is because everyone kind of rallied around each other during that time. Um, mm -hmm. and even though that was a somber occasion, it was it showed really how cool the military like really is. Uh, yeah, sorry to hear about Dan. Uh, that's that's hard and and that's uh, you know something a lot of guys in the military deal with is, you know, losing buddies, uh, you know, however it happens and, and never easy to do. But, but like you said, that, that's one of the things that sort of prompted me into wanting to create a community of veterans and golfers and even non-veterans that just want to support the community because of that camaraderie. Uh, it sounds so cliche, but, uh, you know, there's, there's never, or I can't think of a group of people that's just more willing to be there for complete strangers, uh, you know, than veteran, the veteran community, you know, one veteran to another. And I think that's uh, so. parallel with golf and the veteran community as well. Yeah. That if you go up to somebody and you're a golfer, you automatically have that bond in the same way that if you're a veteran, you automatically have that bond. And it's, it's something where, you know, golf is cool because I can go out and play with my grandfather. I can go out and play with my dad, my mom and myself all at the same time. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> And to kind of share that fraternity within sport uh, is very nice. But that's why, I like, the Veteran Golf Association stuff is really nice, right? Because I'm going out and I'm playing with a guy that fought in Vietnam, a guy that fought in Desert Storm, myself who fought in uh, – we were we were doing most of our stuff with Operation Inherent Resolve, uh, but also mm – -hmm. so, like, I was an OIR guy. Um, and then guys who fought in Afghanistan, right? Very yeah. experiences. You know, we got, you know, Marines, Army guys, uh, whomever. And then, you know – it's just, it's very cool to, the joining of those two, you know, fraternal societies is very, it's, it's very special. And that's why I think yeah. it's very cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm a small fish in, in a big pond right now. Um, but, you know, just doing the best I can to, to highlight things like, uh, you know, VGA, I think that's amazing with what they've got going on. Definitely see those same parallels, though, between golf and the military and the camaraderie and the community that can be built there. So uh, excited to get even even further into it. 
Uh, okay, so we talked about highlights from military career. What are some of your highlights from golfing in, in your, your golf career so far? Oh, man, um, I got in second place in the tournament this year. Uh, every now and nice. then, uh, our coach will let us go play in some D2, D3 events. Um, mm. Just to kind of like tune you up, um, get, get you some extra playing events, because he, he wants everybody to play as much as possible. Um, and so I'm kind of like our six, seven guy right now and five start. Uh, and so because I wasn't like starting on every event, he, he threw me some other events. And so I got like in fifth in one and second in the other. But, you know, it was one of these days where it was, you know, just pouring down rain, gusting to 30. The course was sopping. It was miserable. And I shot like a pretty good 71. Um, and so, you know, I was one shot back of the guy who ended up winning it. Like that, that was a pretty cool, um, pretty cool one there. But I think the one that like officially takes the cake for me is uh, I played in a veterans golfer. Uh, association one and it was the first time I'd really played in any kind of pressure I think I shot like mm. 42 on the front and came back and shooting like I want to say 31 on the back holy smokes to end, uh, end up winning the tournament um, and so that was that kind of proved to me that like hey I'm a pretty decent golfer um, and from that you know I was able to play under some pressure I'm pretty sure I made like a six to eight foot sliding putt on 18 or it maybe just felt like six to eight feet um, I mean, <laughs> on 18 they ended up winning um, but yeah like that was really special to me uh, because uh, it, it really proved to myself that like hey I can compete in this and I can operate under pressure and uh, just you know I am I am made for made for more than just playing as a hobby yeah I like that that's that's one of those two you know Going out, first of all, shooting a 42 on the front, that's like, a, that's a good day for me. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's cool though, being able to, uh, you know, overcome that mentally. And and, uh, and then the story about the rain too. We experienced that in the military all the time. I remember being at Fort Bragg out doing land nav and it's pouring down rain and, you know, we're, we're out there all day long and it just sucks. But those are some of my favorite memories from my military services. Uh, you know, again, it's a cliche, but they say embrace the suck and you do, you just, uh, you fight through it and, and it ends up being one of the more rewarding, uh, parts of your life. And everything's better with your buddies by your side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So can you, I, I think one thing I definitely want to talk about is, can you describe a typical day of practice, uh, in a D1 golf program? So it really depends on the program. Some programs are really uh, regimented of everyone this day is going to do this specific drill, and you know we're going to do it that way. Our coach is really great about, hey, you're a Division One golfer. You got here, right? You're, you're a good golfer. You know what you need to do to succeed. So we really don't have that many mandatory practices, which is really great for me as a guy who works full-time and has military yeah. and you know does X, Y, and Z. Um, that's great for me. Uh, because I get to practice on my own time. Now, we do have certain times in which we have to do things like workouts, and we have two practices a week that we got to be at. But, sure. um, like, for me specifically, uh, normally the first 15 minutes of my practice is just working on wedges. And so what I like to do is I take the – I have a 60, 55, uh, 50, and a 46, and I'll take each of those, and I'll do knee-to-knee, -knee, right? That's for my 60 degree. That's like a 25-yard shot. Um and then I'll do hip to hip for my 60 degree. That's like a 50 yard shot. Then I'll do shoulder to shoulder for my 60 degree. It's like a 75 yard shot. And then I'll do, it's not full because I don't believe in full wedge shots, um, but mm -hmm. more like a, just a little bit over the shoulder. I think Bryson would call it like it's 1030 to 1030. Um, and that's like my 100 yard shot 
with my 60. But doing that with each of my different wedges means that I have something I can commit to every single time I'm over the ball. Um, obviously, this changes with you know where you play, with conditions and all those kind of things. But I have a baseline number for the, those kind of things. So when it's a little bit colder outside or a little bit hotter or I have wind or I'm playing on a different kind of grass, right? I can I have something to gauge off of all those numbers because most of my scoring happens inside of 100 yards or at least inside of mm-hmm. 130. Uh, and so really dialing that down has been really crucial to me. Like in the past six months, I've really gotten down like my 50-yard shot. Um, so that's like, you know, again, my kind of like hip to hip. Uh, yeah. If I can hit that little hip to hip shot, I know it's going to bounce once about five yards short of the pin. It's going to hit another time about five yards up and stop right there. If I can commit to that shot hitting it low, medium, and high, then perfect. I'm good to go, right? I can hit that. And, you know, if it's a little bit colder outside, then I'll do it a little bit more firm. I get X, Y, and Z, right? So that's huge for me. So that's my first 15, 20 minutes of practice. Um, I try to hit each of those shots with a, a regular one, a low ball, and a high ball. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, as well with that is sometimes uh, the high ball is not working, so I know I'm going to have to at least play a medium one. Sometimes I've got all three so I can play all different shots. Um, it's just working on that. Uh, from there, I'll go to whatever specific drills I'm doing with my coach. Uh, so currently right now, uh, I'm trying to do a little bit more sequencing drills. So feeling pressure in my right foot, feeling pressure in my left foot. Um, so I'll do that for the next 15, 20 minutes of whatever I've been working on with my coach. After uh, after that 15, 20 minutes, I go into kind of some full swing stuff. Uh, what I like to do is I like to hit the nine windows. So Tiger Woods a lot talks about hitting nine windows. So I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to hit my high draw, high straight, high fade, medium draw, medium, medium. Uh, medium fade. And then I'm going to try to hit my low draw, low straight, low fade. 90% of the time, I'm not going to be able to hit all those windows perfectly to where I want them to be. That's okay. I either, one, know what I need to work on, and then I'll go work on that. Or two, I know what's working for me, and now I know what to take to the course. For example, mm-hmm. right now, if I feel like I'm hitting a draw, I'm going to hit it straight. All right, that's cool. If I need to hit a straight shot, I go try to hit a draw. And then if I'm in a pressure situation, I know the ball when I try to hit it straight is going to fade. Easy enough. Aim at the aim down the left side of the fairway and just let it fade in the center, right? Um, yeah. Kind of knowing those things so I can hit my shot is very important. I had a coach a while back teach me that drill because – and this is back when I, I didn't feel like I was really that good of a golfer. I was shooting, you know, low 80s. Um, and he's like, swing your swing. Your swing's fine. But just go try to hit the nine windows. And if, you know, you can't hit the nine windows, find what straight is, right? Or find what, you know, find what you can repeat. Because if you can repeat it, then just swing your swing, right? It gets into the, then you can get into decade golf things of, all right, just find your dispersion patterns, lay the dispersion pattern over the fairway, and you're good to go. Um, right. But so anyways, that's what the next portion of my practice looks like. Um, then I try to, I'll try to do some more pressure uh, drives. A lot um, so either that be with a hybrid or like a three iron with three wood or driver I really try to give myself narrow windows to try to hit the fairway um, <clears throat> a lot of times I'll try to give myself punishments if I don't do that so I'll do like five ten push-ups if I miss the fairway or something like that um, mm. and then I'm a big believer in randomized practice so then sometimes I'll just go you know I'll do a random number generator one through 14 um, and just hit a shot to a pin to a target um, and do it that way. Uh, but 
I think the big thing that happens in Division One golf that a lot of people don't realize is uh, on the course practice is 90% of what you need to do, right? Mm. Go range to hit your nine windows. When you figure out what your nine windows are to go play, go play, right? You need to have yeah. that randomized practice again. What's better randomized practice than going to play a course? And go play hard yeah. courses or go play courses from the Reds. Go hit numbers you've not hit before, right? Go play courses you haven't played before. Go hit shots you're not normally used to. The more randomized you can do it, the better. Because that's what's going to you know, help you out, help you to get better when you feel more comfortable. The more you practice and play uncomfortable, the better you're going to do when you feel comfortable. It's either you have to your play more like your practice by calming yourself down, which is almost impossible, or you have to make your practice like your play, which is much more easy to do. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that. Okay, one question I wanted to ask about that nine windows drill you were talking about. Is that something that you do as you're warming up for a round as well? Or is that something that you just incorporate into your practice off the course and just leave, uh, leave there? Both. So most people don't know this about lower level division one, but we get about 15 range balls <laughs> before a round. Oh, holy cow. So we've got, I don't know, in, in most tournaments, we're going to have eight teams. Yeah. Have five to eight guys. And we're a shotgun for 36. Jeez. And we're going to start the minute the sun comes up. So you've got about 30 minutes to warm up for about, I don't know, 80 to 100 guys. There, and everybody's teeing off at the same time. There's not enough range spots. Yeah. So if you get 15 balls warming up, you're lucky. So you have to find out, like, all right, what's like, what, what's really important here? And so for me, that's going to be nine windows and then driving. Um, if I can give myself a chance off the tee, then for me, I feel pretty good. For sure. Uh, but how do I give myself a chance off the tee? I have to know what shot I'm playing today. Because, again, I've been playing golf all that long. I'll wake up some days with a draw. I'll wake up some days with a fade. It just depends. So finding out what I have that morning when I wake up is the most important for me going uh, going into a tournament. Man, that that uh, that fifteen shot thing sounds pretty familiar. A lot of times I'm rolling up to the course right before my tee time, and I get a a couple practice swings there on the on the first tee box before I'm teeing off. So uh, yep. yeah, I, I I might know what that feels like. All right, so I wanted to ask you about uh, NIL, name, image, and likeness as well. Is that something that you've experienced much in your college career? What are your What are your thoughts and takes on on the NIL world right now? I've had a, a little bit just because some people are trying to, uh, you know, really support the veteran community, and I've kind of had myself out there as a veteran. Um, yeah. Not 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 a ton, um, just because I'm not, you know, I'm not Sam Bennett, I'm not Nick Dunlap. <laughs> um, However, you know, NIL does get very complex when you start to talk about those guys like Sam Bennett and Nick Dunlap of, of how mm -hmm. that works with your amateur status and everything. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's great for guys to be able to profit on themselves because not everybody is in a spot like me where I can go, you know, have another full-time job, right? Uh, it's very hard to have a full-time job, go to school, and play a Division One sport at a high level. Um, so I'm glad that people will get the opportunity to profit off themselves um but it's obviously finding where that line of keeping your amateur status and and also making money is that gets very finicky yeah for sure so does chicago state give you good resources on sort of how to navigate the nil world how to toe that line between you know nil money and and you know compromising your amateur status or or are you kind of on your own there a little bit on your own so the state of illinois uh you 
the university can't help you get any NIL deals. Um, you are very much on your own on getting them. As far as uh, actually uh, seeing who's okay and who isn't as an NIL deal, uh, Tom at our school is fantastic with all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's been um, – he's like one of the most approachable guys in athletics. So that's that's very nice. Nice. Um, but um, as far as like the certain states, I know like Illinois where they can't help you out, and you have states like you go to Texas, they're going to find you the NIL money because they want you to stay there. And so it's just – yeah. That aspect of things is just kind of tough because, you know, how is Illinois basketball supposed to compete with Kentucky basketball when Kentucky basketball guys are getting paid and the Illinois basketball guys got to go get, you know, find ways to get paid themselves and Kentucky mm. more or less falling in their lap. Okay, walk us through your golf bag. What, what clubs are you hitting? What balls are you hitting? You know, what other stuff do you keep in your bag at all times? Uh, so I'm, I'm spoiled. I just went to TPI out in uh, San Diego the other day. <laughs> so uh, I got the, oh full, uh, the full tour fitting the other day um, from Titleist. So we're pretty lucky at Chicago State. We have a good deal with Titleist. We get heavy discount on clubs because we are a, a predominantly black institution. So we compete in a lot of the HBCU and PBI events. Um, we'll be on the Golf Channel first week of May playing in the PGA Works. Um down at awesome. TBC Sawgrass. Uh, and so we get a lot of sponsorships through that. Um, United big one that helps us out. Mm. Um, yep. And so uh, right now I'm rocking with the SM9 wedges uh, for the 60, 55, 50, 46. I've got the T100 irons for 9 through 6, T150 in the 5 iron. I've got Cobra uh, King Utility for my four iron, which is probably one of the favorite clubs in the bag. Um, got a TaylorMade uh, Sim two iron or a Nike Covert uh, Tor Red uh, <laughs> hybrid that I use. So I've got like the OG Tiger Wood Red. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Hybrid and then like a 19 degree that I or I think it's 17 um, that I use. It, use either that or the two iron depending on how firm the course is um, or depending on how thick the rough is. Uh, and then mm -hmm. the, got the TSR2 three-wood and TSR3 uh, driver. I think I got the driver in a six-degree loft, and then I've got the three-wood in like a 16. Okay, and then what about uh, stuff that you have in your bag at, at all times? I guess, first of all, let's start with what ball are you hitting? And then, you know, what are your other essentials in the bag that you just have to have at all times? Oh, the balls has been a fun one. So let's see. Last year, I got fit for the Pro V1X because um, I do think okay. ball fitting is very important. Um, yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of not, not a lot of people think about. They just find balls in the woods and they're like, "Ah, oh, this is good enough." Um, I got fit for the Pro V1X. I got hurt in the spring, came back, and I got fit into the AVX, which are the two most wow. opposite golf balls possible. Yeah. Um, and so the AVX, low flight, low spin, because I hit the ball really high a lot of spin sure and so uh, i've since dialed in the swing a little bit better so i'm playing the pro v now um but definitely not the pro v8 1x because i put way too much spin on the ball um so if you're a guy who's out there trying to go catch a lot of distance so you think the pro v uh, 1x is for you but you're hitting the ball sideways i would recommend maybe an avx because the yeah. ball you've mishit it is just going to die and stop but it'll probably die and stop in the fairway um hmm. So little things like that, uh, I like a little softer feel too, so Pro-V is pretty nice for me. Uh, but 
uh, as far as in the bag that I always have, um, I use one of my challenge coins from Weapons, which is my shop in Buckley, as my ball marker. Um, I also have an F-16 ball marker uh, from Sea and Air Golf Course in Coronado Island. Oh, nice. Um, mostly because I'm a big F-16 fan. I'm a maintainer on the F-16, and uh, I thought it was really funny that a Navy base had Air Force airplanes as their ball markers. <laughs> so um, I got one of those. Uh, but other than that... Um, in the bag at all times. I probably have like the heaviest bag of all time because I always keep cold weather, wet weather stuff on me. Because mm. uh, I, I don't want to go to the course and forget it if it is wet or cold. So I just always keep it on me, which is probably a bad idea. But um, yeah, that's 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 probably what's in the bag uh, for the most part. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and not at all surprising to hear that a military guy is the one who has the heaviest bag, you know, uh, and, and is prepared with the cold weather and the wet weather gear. You've probably been on a, a few rock marches, and so uh, you're probably used to carrying a little bit of extra weight. So not surprising at all. Exactly, an extra five pounds isn't that bad <laughs> when you think about freezing your butt off if you forget it. Yeah, right on. Okay, what's your go-to snack at the turn? Oh, a go-to snack at the turn, <clears throat> by far, Uncrustables. Mm. That that's I bet ninety percent of college golfers would tell you the exact same thing. Um, you know, for college golf tournaments, we're walking 36 holes the first day of the tournament. And so your you know, coach comes around with the, with the cart and, uh, it's just like, Hey, grab your snacks and go. Uh, I'm grabbing a fistful of Uncrustables and <laughs> stuffing it in the bag for later. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's really my big, uh, that's really my big one is the, the Uncrustables. I've actually heard that from a lot of, uh, a lot of the pros. They might've even talked about that on that Netflix show, uh, full swing that uh, Uncrustables are, are a go-to for those those top guys. So I'm not surprising to hear that. Absolutely. All right, a cu- couple more questions for you here, Colin. Uh, first one is, who's your favorite pro golfer? And, and is there anyone that you try to mimic your game after or you know take a lot of inspiration from as, as far as swing or, or gameplay goes? Oh, that has to be like Jordan Spieth, but I think every golfer that hits the ball all over the place is Jordan Spieth. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jordan Spieth went to my sister high school, so that's another one too. He went oh, cool. to Dallas, Regis Jesuit. Um, so I had a couple teachers that actually taught him. Um, so Jordan Spieth's always been, you know, been been a big fan of his. Um, mm-hmm. My dad played golf at Arizona State, so I've always been a big Phil Mickelson guy. I've, had, I've met him a couple times. Nice. Um, but, you know, t- Tiger, like every other person who's grown up in golf this age. For sure. Um, guys I look forward to watching to now, like big Max Homa fan. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like I, – I like Rory a lot because I think of any guy who's that size and hits the ball that far is probably a swing we need to watch. Because, um, you know, a guy like Ludwig, who's six foot five, six foot six, and hits the ball that far, that's far less impressive to me than the guy who's five nine and hits the ball that far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but, but Jordan Spieth for sure is I probably who I emulate the best is the, you know, the punch out artist of how to get, you know, Make make an up and down from random places is who I'd say my spirit animal is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I would love to channel a little bit more Jordan Spieth in my game for sure. All right, last question. Uh, one thing I want to do as I do interviews, I've got a couple of these lined up. Is I want to ask everyone uh, the same question, and so I'm going to ask you to put your bias aside just for a minute uh, as an Air Force guy. Uh, if there were a Ryder Cup style match between Air Force, Army, Navy, and Marines, who's taking the trophy? 
Oh, okay. And this Air Force bias aside, it has to be the Air Force. I'm probably thinking it's <laughs> going to be a pretty common answer to that. Just yeah. because when you think of the Air Force, what are you thinking of? It's a bunch of colonels out playing golf when it should be working. Uh, so, I mean, also look at, you know, who's got the best military golf courses. It's Air Force through. Yeah. Um, shout out to Eisenhower down at the Air Force Academy. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's probably going to be the Air Force. However, I will say the uh, the Army is always uh, very well represented when it comes to veteran golf report events. Okay, sweet. And yeah, I think you're right. That's probably going to be a, a pretty common answer. You know, I, I told you my dad went to the Naval Academy. He was a Navy guy. And he said every time they'd see someone in the Air Force, they would just yell four at them. And, uh, <laughs> and that was kind of their dig. Okay, so that made me think of, of one more question, actually. So I'm going to the Waste Management Open this weekend in Phoenix. I'm driving from Utah down there. So on my way down, I'm going to stop at, at Nellis Air Force Base in Vegas. I'm going to play the golf course they have on there. And that's something I want to do is, you know, go play more of these military courses, military-based courses. And uh, and so, you know, have you had the opportunity to play at a lot of military courses? And if so, you know, what's your what are your favorites? What, what does your list look like? I've played a ton on military bases because I think that is one of the greatest things for military golfers to go mm. do. Is you can go play for like fifteen bucks at some of the world's best golf courses. Eisenhower's they hosted the U.S. Girls Junior Amateur there uh, last year, um, which you know I think the year before was held at like some really nice country club somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, I forget where it's going to be held uh, this next year, but again, it's like very high esteemed course. Um, I've played uh, a bunch of the courses down in San Diego. Um, sea and Air is pretty well known. It's got a bunch of holes on the water. Uh, Admiral Baker is another fantastic one. Um, Eglin down in Florida has got a bunch of nice courses there. Um, so yeah, I've played all of Fort Carson in Colorado has got another nice, uh, another nice one there. Um, but I think that's a big thing for for military folk. Even if you don't, you know, play a whole lot of golf, um, the courses are normally pretty wide open for tee times. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty five bucks to play. You're not going to get that anywhere else. You use your military benefits to your to your benefit. Yeah, so hopefully this uh, this high speed golf thing becomes big enough that I can start traveling around and, and uh, hitting up all the military base courses and and doing some reviews and and some some content on the course there. So you know that's a great list for me to start with. I appreciate you, Colin, for for making the time. Let's let's keep in touch, and if I ever put together a, a Ryder Cup style tournament between all the branches, we'll uh, we'll sign you up for Team Air Force. You tell me where to be, and I'm there. <laughs> all right, Colin. We'll have have a good one. We'll be in touch. See ya. Thank you. You as well. Good to talk to you. Huge thanks to Colin Armistead for taking time out of his busy schedule. Everyone go give him a follow on his Instagram at Colin Army, C-O-L-I-N-A-R-M-I. Colin, it was a pleasure and we will all be watching your golf and your military career with a lot of pride. Thank you for your service. The music in this podcast was by the hugely talented Penguin Music and can be found on Pixabay. Stay tuned for more episodes of the High Speed Golf Podcast and make sure to subscribe.